Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Pamela John Thomas Podcast, where I help busy professionals unlock the true power of total health and wellness through whole person health edification. I'm your host, Pamela John Thomas, family nurse practitioner and serial health coach. Join me here every other week as I delve into ditching the traditional medicine philosophy we've all come to know and hate, and instead learn to embrace holistic health to become the best version possible of ourselves. So, first things first, how does a business continue to successfully thrive? Well, it may seem like a rather simple question, but it is a necessary one in order for me to get my point across to you. And the answer, you ask? Businesses, of course, successfully thrive by making a profit, right? And where does that profit ultimately come from? Well, it comes from you, the consumer. But how does a business keep you, the consumer, coming back in order to continue making that profit? Well, of course, the obvious answer is the business must continuously provide that something that you so desperately need, possibly even to survive. But what happens when there are multiple options available for you, the consumer, to choose from? How does a business at that point make itself stand out amongst the crowd of competitors it shares the stage with? Well, I'll tell you how the food industry successfully stands out. It uses a little something called the power of addiction. You see, the goal of the food industry is not to provide a healthy, sustaining meal for you. No, that's not their goal. Their goal is not to provide you with healthy food options. No, honey. Their goal is to make money by any means possible. And in order to incur that money, that profit, they have formulated a specific way to process artificial ingredients into cheaper tastier foods that will keep you coming back for more and more time and time again. You see, the billion dollar food industry has hired the best scientists, those same scientists who discovered the powerful addictive properties of nicotine and placed it into cigarettes to develop ingredients that are cheap and addictive to place in our everyday food sources. No, it sounds crazy, but it's actually true. These scientists have cleverly discovered how our brains respond to these addictive additives to their advantage. And they use this as their way of keeping us hooked on super cheap processed foods. Just think about it for a minute, right? One of the biggest problems that you'll hear, especially in a a lower, excuse me, lower socioeconomic status uh, environment is that food's too expensive, right? It it, it costs too much. I'm looking for ways to save on, you know, bills, on, on whatever, on food. I mean, 
I got to go to the store. I got to feed my family. I'm going to get the cheapest food possible. At the same time, I want to get something that's going to taste good, right? So, hey, obviously, that's what's sold on the market to us. Cheap, tasty food, but it's processed food. It's food that's not good for us. And although there are many different additives that are addictive and even harmful, I mean harmful to our health, that are found in our everyday foods, which one do you think is the most common addictive additive that is placed in exuberant amounts in our food? Yep, you guessed it. Sugar. (laughs) Sugar is added to 80% of processed foods on the market. That's crazy. That number is exorbitant. 80% of the processed food that's on the market, that's on the shelf right now in your local grocery store, it's got added sugar in it. And if you think for a moment that I am kidding you, just pay attention to a food label the very next time you pick up a product off of the shelf. Often the nutritional label reads sugar and then underneath, directly underneath that, it says added sugar. So not only do some of our foods naturally contain a certain amount of sugar, right? Because sugar is a natural substance in a lot of our foods. But additionally, the billion dollar food industry adds more sugar, more sugar into our foods. And yet we wonder why, (laughs) you know, this family member's diabetic Or you go through the family history with somebody. It's like, yeah, my mom's diabetic. My dad's borderline. Uh, My sister's diabetic. Oh, my brother. uh, Yeah, he just started insulin. I mean, I guess so if pretty much everything that we consume has added sugar to it. So some scientific studies have shown that our brains respond the same way to sugar as a drug user's brain responds to cocaine. Yes, I, I, I did say cocaine. Cocaine. Now, I even thought this was a bit far-fetched considering I have yet to see someone behave like a crackhead, <laughs> a fiend, when they cannot access sugar. They can't get access to their sugar. But then again, you know, I had to think about it. Look at little kids. Look at children. And they are all, you know, bouncing off the wall. They can't sit still even for a second when they're all pumped up on sugar. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're looking at them like, my God, what the heck? You know, and that's why I guess we've got the little sayings about, uh, oh, you know, don't give him that sugar. I mean, he'll be bouncing off the wall. But they are. You'll find them bouncing off the wall. They can't even seem to sit still for a single moment, like literally. And then... You'll notice also when the sugar rush, rush, excuse me, has depleted itself, they often become very irritable, even sometimes unconsolable and just fatigued. They're tired. They're wiped. And I guess if you really think about it, it does kind of sound like some sort of high. (laughs) And now you've come down off your high. So, you know, that kind of goes back to in the last episode, how we talked about stress and how it can negatively affect your choices in diet when our bodies are stressed or when we feel overwhelmed or we become emotional we often crave something filled with 
sugar. But why? Because it comforts us. Even if it's only for a moment, which ultimately, you know, even that moment, we feel good. But the catch is it's only for a moment. So guess what? That's why it keeps us dependent on it. Because that's that's our sense of relief. So we're going to have to go back to it to feel even that moment of relief. And that's why we keep coming back for more and more. And the billion-dollar food industry, it's well aware of this pattern. It's got us locked in just like that. See, the food industry has systematically mastered how to solve our pain points of desiring quick comfort that is cheap and easy to access and will keep us coming back time and time again. This is how they make their billion-dollar profit, all at the expense of your health and wellness. And here's another little nugget of information for you to get you thinking more about what you consume, what you eat. Here in our country, the American food industry is notorious. Do you hear me? Notorious for making more healthy food products for individuals overseas as opposed to those right here in our very own country. So they care more about feeding people in Europe better than they do you. So here's the example. Nutritionist and food expert Vani Hari discovered that Kraft macaroni and cheese contains additives that have been scientifically proven to cause adverse effects on activity and attention in children. Now, they cannot legally sell their product in Europe, in Europe, overseas, without placing this warning on the food label of the product. So they actually decided, hey, we'll just go ahead and remove the ingredient from the product altogether so that we can go ahead and sell it in Europe. Now, while here... On the other hand, in the good old U.S. of A., they simply decided they just wouldn't place the warning on the food label and also wouldn't remove the ingredient either. And guess what? Although this, in my opinion, seems completely unethical and immoral in practice, it's obviously completely legal for them to do. Because did you know? No, I didn't know. I mean, I don't see that anywhere as a warning on my Kraft macaroni and cheese, and I've eaten Kraft macaroni and cheese many times, and so have my children. So they will adhere to a higher standard in a country overseas as opposed to the country right here where they are making their food made in the USA. So that's just a little note for you to remember. If you're purchasing Kraft macaroni and cheese products here in United States of America, you're also buying into the possibility of ADHD in your child or your children. Just a little food for thought here. It's crazy that, (laughs) you know, a company right here in the United States, and I'm sure millions of Americans have made them billions of dollars. They don't even care, you know, obviously about the quality of the food that they are producing. The billion-dollar food industry doesn't. You've been fooled by the food industry. They don't care. It is about a dollar. So that's just to point out to you what they do and what they're all about, which is about money. 
And since we're talking about children, speaking of children, just think about why, exactly why, for one minute, why the billion-dollar food industry would be perfectly fine with addicting children to their products. Well, they are indeed the next generation of consumers. That's why. I mean, the food industry needs them to continue to make their profit in the years to come. They're the next generation of consumers. So you got to hook them quick, baby. You got to get them on the line, get them in. They're trapped. They're used to the cheap food. They're used to the tasty food. They're just going to keep on coming back because now their brains have been wired since childhood to think that that's what they're supposed to eat. Our children are targeted by the food industry through the media by sending their message through people that our children admire, that they follow and that they look up to. Think about it. Big time athletes push sports drinks filled with sugar and artificial dyes and preservatives through TV ads and social media to our children all of the time. The food industry is always discovering new ways to hook their next potential customer. In this case, our children, the next generation. So you ask me then, well, Pam, so... I mean, you're telling me all of this. You give me all this information about, you know, aha, wake up. Think about what the food industry is really about. It's not about you. That's for sure. But how do I avoid these particular foods when it's really all I know? It's all I've been exposed to. It's what I've been brought up on and and, and just about what the majority of what most grocers sell. I mean, what do I do? How do I go about making better food choices? That is a very good question. The first tip that I would recommend is to quit being hoodwinked by the fancy buzzwords that these food manufacturers place on the very front of their packages. You know what I'm talking about. Low fat, low calorie, gluten free, cholesterol free, and so on. Instead, focus more on reading the actual food label on the back or the side of the package itself. This is where you can make an informed decision about whether or not the product is safe for you and your family to consume, to eat. The second tip is, you guessed it, (laughs) invest in learning how to read a food label. Learning to read food labels is an important skill for any healthy shopper, okay? The information you will find on the nutritional label is valuable, providing complete information on the percentage of many vitamins and minerals this particular food product contains. In addition, nutritional information labels tell you how many calories, grams of sugar, and added sugars that I was talking about before, as well as the percentage of fat and the amount of fiber the product contains. And here's another tidbit. If you don't recognize the ingredient in the product, or you simply cannot pronounce it, you need to either learn about that particular ingredient or you need to put that product back on the shelf, honey. (laughs) Point blank. Because a lot of the ingredients that we cannot pronounce are often man-made chemicals that are added to the product. And they're also chemicals or additives our bodies were not designed to digest. So point blank, if you cannot 
pronounce. And I've read some food labels myself where I'm like, what the heck is that? I can't pronounce that. That's worse than a pharmaceutical drug name. And I mean, I'm just a little side note. I mean, I know how to pronounce a lot of those, but it's because I'm, I'm a prescriber. You know, I'm used to it. But these names are, you're like, what the heck? You know, and if you cannot pronounce it, research it, figure out what it is. You know, what is this chemical? You know, and take it a step further and say, okay, well, I've researched this now. Is it is it safe for me to to digest? Is it is it something that my body's meant to digest? Does my gut have the ability to break down this particular chemical that I couldn't even pronounce? If not, put that sucker back on the shelf. It's not meant for you. The third tip that I have for you is to consider shopping at your local farmer's market. Here, you will more than likely find food that's grown locally and not shipped from somewhere overseas that you probably have never heard of or cannot pronounce because there are quite a few foods, even in your produce section, that are in your local grocer that did not come from a local farm or a local location. A lot of them are shipped from overseas. You don't know where this stuff comes from, honestly, or what it's been exposed to, how it's been grown, what chemical or pesticide has been placed on it. You know, these are things to consider. So consider a, a local farmer's market. You know, the farmer himself might even be there where you can ask him about, you know, where was this grown at and how do you grow your products? How do you treat your your cows? How do you treat your chickens? You know, what conditions are your plants grown under? Do you use pesticides? So that's something to consider shopping at a local farmer's market or even seriously consider starting your own garden. I see people, I haven't done it myself yet, probably because A, I don't have the time (laughs) and B, well, I don't know. I guess there is some spot back there to do it, but it's mostly a time issue for me, but it's something that I've even been contemplating seriously doing. Why not? Let's go back to the natural, right? What's wrong with learning to grow my own thing? I think it's actually kind of interesting, but consider starting your own garden. You know, consider that as a possibility for yourself. The local farmer's market, starting your own garden, these are two options that give you more control over knowing where your food comes from and how your food is grown with less risk of exposure to harmful chemicals and pesticides. So you have more control when you choose a local farmer's market or you choose to even grow some of your own food. It would actually be a a great learning experience and I suspect in some ways kind of relaxing. And lastly, my last tip for you, tip number four, is simply to begin to become more mindful, more intentional of your food choices and to better educate yourself on nutrition and how a lack of the right type of nutrition affects your body mentally, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. And don't stop there, you know, because you can find advice or information from just about anywhere, right? You don't have to necessarily go into your local library anymore. Everything's right here on the World Wide Web Um, I'm giving information right here in the podcast. I mean, social media gives a lot of information. Information is everywhere. We are an information overload here in America, in the world in general. So you you can gather information. You can research 
wherever. The key is to take action. So my call to action for you in this moment is to tell you, don't just go and find information, but be proactive about putting it to use. Be proactive about what you actually put into your body. So lastly, I just want to say, I don't want to see you to continue to allow yourself to be hoodwinked by the billion-dollar food industry. Consider this particular episode your wake-up call. You've been fooled by the food industry. (laughs) I'm just going to keep it real with you. You have. But this is your wake-up call. This is the moment where you realize, I've got to make a change. This is your call to action. I mean, I've even got to be honest with you myself. Even as a healthcare professional, I've been fooled. We all have. But instead of focusing on that fact, we've arrived there. We've discovered, hey, this is the real deal. Even here in America, in the United States of America, someone is legally allowing these people to hoodwink us. We know that part. We're past that point. Now we've got to take action and change that. So I encourage you to be proactive and change your way of thinking about food, what it's made of, where it comes from, and ultimately you deciding what food you're going to put into your person. Because technically we are what we eat. (laughs) Think back to the kid I was just talking about that's bouncing off the wall. He's a ball of sugar. If he ate a whole bunch of sugar... He's a ball of sugar. That's what he is. You are what you eat. So be proactive about changing the way you eat, changing your relationship that you have with food. And I'm not just talking about a fad diet. I'm not just talking about I'm going to do keto to meet a goal. I'm talking about being on a journey. I'm not just talking about I'm going to detox because I need to lose 10 pounds before I get in this bathing suit on this vacation I'm going on. I'm, I'm talking about lifestyle changes. I'm talking about the journey of life. I'm talking about changes, not just for the here and now. I'm talking about changes that develop into lifetime habits that take you through the rest of your life so that you can live a life that's healthy, that's full, you have a good quality of life and not just a quantity. You don't know how many people I come across every day who they don't have a quality of life. They just have a quantity of life. They're 75 years old. Heck, some of them are 65 years old. Some of them are 80 years old. It's just number. It's just a number. It's a quantity of years that they have existed, not truly lived. They're miserable. And I don't know, maybe that's why God gave me this passion. Because I see it every day. And I see the ways that people have abused their bodies. And now they're miserable. I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. You know, I want to be 65 and alive. I don't want to be 65 and existing. If I'm going to be here till I'm 85, I don't want to be 85 and existing. I want to be 85 and living. I want to live. I don't want to be miserable. Now, does that mean that I anticipate I'm going to be 85 and, you know, I mean, out here doing cartwheels or something? I don't know. It's a tape. I've seen it. So I'm not going to say it's impossible. But I want to be 85 and living. I still want to be able to go. 
I still want to be able to transition from one position to another without feeling like every bit of my strength has left my being, you know, and it, it starts from the inside. It's from the inside out. It, I don't care what you do on the outside, what's going on in the inside. You know, what are you putting into your body? Your body is essentially a machine. If, if you want to break it down that way, what are you putting into it? Think about your car. How well tuned up is your car? Your car will take care of you if you take care of it. But if you never get the oil changed, if you never rotate the tires, if you don't take care of the inside of the vehicle, the mechanics of it, of how it operates, give it what it needs. For instance, let's say, for instance, you're driving a Benz. You can't put 85, you know, gas choice in your Benz. You've got to put 93 or higher. I don't know if there is a higher, forgive me, but I know it's at least 93. Or else this sucker's not going to function right. Now, for a while, it may go on, but you are essentially doing damage to it. And eventually, you're going to know and you're going to pay for it. You are. It's the same thing with the human body. You know, I see people, oh, yeah, I still smoke. They told me not to smoke. You know, maybe they're 40 and they're smoking. They've been smoking since they were 18. I'm just fine. I'm not stopping smoking. I'm not doing that. Okay. All right. I got you. You could keep doing it. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend with you like you're not actually actively doing damage to yourself. You are. And one day, your body ain't going to work so right no more. And then we'll be sitting here having the same conversation that you can't breathe as you're talking to me. You're literally short-winded and we're just having a regular conversation. I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. So I'm encouraging you to be proactive about what you choose to eat, what you choose to fuel your body with. So anyway, if you want to know more, I got a freebie. You can grab it at PamelaJohnThomas.com slash links. My new website will be up and running soon. I'm trying to get it there where you can easily access even more helpful tidbits to get you on the right track, the holistic way. Hey, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. Until next time. Thank you for joining me this week. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your current app. That way, you'll get alerts right when we release new episodes. So you won't miss a thing. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to ask you for a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways Apple ranks their podcast. So it only takes a few seconds of your time to help make a difference. Thanks so much again for joining me, Pamela John Thomas, in this episode of the Pamela John Thomas Podcast. See you next time.